Hey guys. How was your night? Did everybody sleep? <laughs> Did the counselor sleep? No, no, a resounding no about that. I heard I didn't sleep at all. I slept like six hours. Dude, just wait until you have children one day. Um, six hours is a dream. All right. So how many of you guys, your favorite season is winter? Who likes the winter? Anybody? All right. Weirdos. All right. That's cool. Um, I, I like the winter all right, but really, I love summer. I love the summertime. Uh, I love to just enjoy the warmth. I love to go swimming. Um, but the town that we live in, there's a, a river that runs through it, and so uh, I don't live on the river or have a boat, but I have friends who do, so we go out and we uh, go out on the river. It's a blast. Um, I love summertime, but the worst thing about summertime is what? Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, 100%, right? The bugs are the worst thing about summertime. How many of you guys recognize this thing right here? This is, uh, what is this? It's a bug zapper, right? It's a bug zapper, and... uh, you turn on this little blue light right here, and it calls in all the mosquitoes and all the bugs, right? And they, they come towards the light, and they fly into that bulb, and what happens to them? Right, they, they zap. And sometimes it's fun just to sit there on a, on a summer night and have this thing on, and just to listen to the snap, crackle, and pop of all those um, Poor mosquitoes meeting their fate, right? But here's the question. Why is it that a mosquito goes towards the light? You think you know? Okay. There are lots of different um, theories about why this is. Now, we don't exactly know, but but there are a lot of different ideas. Some people say that the the light kind of looks like an escape route, right? Like if if the mosquito's in a place, a a tunnel, a cave or something, it's, it's the light shows them that that's where the sun is, that's where the opening is, and so they go towards the light at the end of the tunnel. They, they, they go towards the light because it, it gives this kind of promise of freedom. Others say that, that the light kind of simulates the, um, the stars or the sun, the things that the mosquitoes generally navigate by, and so it kind of throws a, a wrench into the works of their GPS when we have an artificial light like this, and they get confused. Um, others say that the light is the promise of a meal. Uh, Because if there's a a fire, there are uh, animals around that fire, animals like you and me, and the mosquito goes towards the light because it's near the light where they can find uh, a tasty snack um, right here in my arm, right? And uh, we don't really know. But ultimately, what we do know is that something about this light attracts bugs. Something about this light attracts mosquitoes and moths and all kinds of things. It it attracts them because it promises them something that they want, right? It promises them either um, a safe exit, a clear route, or a tasty treat, but it doesn't deliver any of those things, does it? 
No, it might, it might promise them something that they want, but ultimately what this light delivers to them is 120 volts. What's the, what this light delivers to them is death. Um, and so this isn't just a, a lantern. This is a lie, right? It's, a, it's something that promises something but then ultimately what it delivers is death. Put this guy over here for now, I don't wanna to touch it. Um, so yesterday, last night, we talked about Solomon's search for meaning, right? We talked about Solomon's search for meaning under the sun. And, and what we saw is that what Solomon kind of says in chapter one of Ecclesiastes, right? Is that if what is under the sun is all that there is, then all that is under the sun is meaningless. If all that life is is what's under the sun, then there's no meaning to anything. But then we also saw this, that, that what's under the sun is not all that there is. Because there is a, a God who is over and above everything and that all things were made by him and through him and to him. And that you and I are included in that all things. We were made by God, we were made through God, and we were made to God. We were made for the purpose of knowing and loving and worshiping and serving the very same God who made us. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that eternity is written on the hearts of mankind. What does that mean? It means that every single person who walks this earth, man, woman, child, every person who lives has a longing for purpose. Every one of us has eternity written on our hearts we long for eternal, lasting, significance, meaning, and purpose. We all desire that. But what Solomon expressed in Ecclesiastes chapter one was this sense of purposelessness that so many of us have felt. The sense of purposelessness in life under the sun, the sense of purposelessness in this world that so many of us have felt, we all long for eternal purpose, but we, we've all felt this sense of purposelessness that comes from living in a world where everything is temporary, where everything is like a vapor in the wind. But here's the thing, purposelessness is not our biggest problem as human beings. So we've got this big problem of purposelessness, this big problem of, of searching for meaning and, and, and not finding it, this big problem of living in a world where everything is temporary. That is significant, that is big and that is heavy, but it's not our biggest problem. Because since God has written eternity on the hearts of man, it's not just that we are purposeless, it's that we seek purpose in everything. I was over at a, a friend's house a, a few weeks ago. Um, he, his son is friends with my son and, and uh, we were over there for his son's birthday party and we were in the backyard and their backyard was like a fortress. Like all of the, they had 
fences all around and the fences were like boarded up and it was like, you, you couldn't get out of this thing if you tried, right? It might as well have had like razor wire on top of the fence and the whole thing. Cause it was, it was, a, it was like a prison yard in his backyard. And I was like, dude, what is, what's going on? And he's like, well, we just recently got some puppies. And they have these puppies that are bloodhound puppies. You guys know what a bloodhound is? A bloodhound is a dog that is bred to follow a scent, right? It's a dog that's made for a purpose, and that purpose is to follow a smell. So like the dogs that like, you know, you give them someone's sock, and then they like track down that person, that's a bloodhound, okay? And because bloodhounds are kind of bred specifically for this purpose to follow their nose, if you have puppies who are bloodhounds who aren't trained yet, do you know what they do? If they're outside, they start sniffing and they find a scent, and then they will do anything and everything they can to follow that scent wherever it leads. So if a cat comes through your yard and leaves a trail of scent and your blood hand goes out in the yard, you know what it's gonna do? It's gonna get, go right to the edge of your fence and go right past it, and it's gonna track down that cat wherever it is. And so my friend had to, to basically make his yard something where these puppies couldn't break out because everything in them wants to follow that scent wherever it goes, right? And we're kind of the same way in the sense that we desire a purpose, just like that bloodhound desires to follow that scent. We desire a purpose, but if we don't find that purpose in the right thing, then we're gonna seek it wherever we can find it. We're gonna seek it in anything and everything where it's not supposed to be found. Just like that bloodhound, if you don't give him a scent to follow, if you don't give him a job to do, he's gonna follow every smell that comes into his nose, right? And so we all have this sense that we need some purpose, that we need some eternal lasting purpose. But if we don't live our lives to God, as we were made to, right? We were made by and through and to God. And if we don't live our lives to God, then we will live our lives to something else. If we don't live our lives in the service of God, then we will live our lives in the service of something else. If we don't live our lives for the purpose of knowing and loving and serving God, then we will live our lives for the purpose of something else. Because we've been hardwired with the desire for purpose, and if we don't find it where it's made to be found in God, then we will find it somewhere else. We'll search for it somewhere else. We'll never find lasting, significant, eternal purpose anywhere other than God, but we will search for it. And so this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna look a little bit at Solomon's search for purpose. Yesterday, we talked about his, his reflections on life under the sun, but today we're gonna talk about his search for purpose. Seeing that all under the sun is meaningless, he then searches for purpose in chapter two, and that's what we'll read. Before we do, though, I wanna pray for us this morning. Dear God, we thank you for this morning, God, we thank you for what you're doing this weekend already. We pray that as we open your word, we talk about this search for meaning, the search for purpose, and the results of that search for purpose. God, I pray that you would just open our eyes to our own sin, open our eyes to our own need for you, for forgiveness, um, for mercy, for grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Solomon says, 
Everything under the sun is meaningless. It's all temporary. Nothing has lasting value. And then in chapter two, what he does is he describes how he gave himself over to his pleasure. Instead of living his life to God, he began living his life to pleasure. He began living his life in the service of his pleasure, seeking purpose there. And let's see what results of that. Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 1. We'll read through verse 12. I said in my heart, come now, and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. And I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? And I searched my heart, how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And I made great works, and I built houses, and I planted vineyards for myself, and I made myself gardens and parks, and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees, and I made myself pools with which the water of the of the forest of growing, with, from which to water the forest of growing trees. And I bought male and female slaves, and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces and I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. And so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept from my heart no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. And then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, it was all vanity in a striving after wind. And there is nothing to be gained under the sun. I want to read verse nine and 10 again. He said, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. Listen to this, the beginning of verse 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. So Solomon has said, there's no lasting value to anything under the sun. He's set up this idea of this search for purpose, this search for meaning, and then he went and he searched for that purpose and he searched for that meaning in everything that we could imagine in this earth. He said, I kept from my eyes no pleasure. He sought fulfillment in entertainment. He said, I, I, I gave myself to laughter. I said of laughter, it is mad, and it is, is of, um, and of pleasure, what use is it? So he, he sought fulfillment in entertainment, he sought fulfillment in, in alcohol. He sought fulfillment in his accomplishments, his riches. He sought fulfillment in relationships. He sought fulfillment in knowledge. And he says that all of it was empty. 
It was all empty. That's what we talked about last night. But here's the thing. See, that's not all. He sought fulfillment in all of these different things and he found that it was all empty, but it wasn't just that it was empty. It wasn't just that those things were purposeless, ultimately. It wasn't just that those things were empty and unsatisfying. It's more than that. Because you see, Solomon's pursuit of his own self-indulgence wasn't just empty, it was sin. Solomon's pursuit in, in seeing and feeling and doing anything that made him feel good in the moment. It's not just that ultimately it was empty and ultimately it led nowhere. It's that ultimately it was sin. As he sought fulfillment in riches, he was, he was greedy, it was sinful. As he sought fulfillment in relationships, he was doing things sexually that God had forbidden. It was sinful as he sought fulfillment in, in building great and powerful monuments. He sought fulfillment in his own pride. It was sinful. You see, in all of these different things where, where Solomon is seeking fulfillment, purpose, meaning, and something other than where it's meant to be found and something other than God, he's not just finding at the end of the day that those things are empty, but he is worshiping them as idols. He is committing sin against God, and it's not just empty, it's that the consequence of that sin is death. The consequence of that is death. Now, some of you might be saying, wait, wait, wait a second. Not all those things that Solomon said were sinful, right? I mean, we can agree that, that him buying and, and, and selling slaves and, and him having you know, a thousand wives. We, we can agree that those things, those are, those are sinful, those are wicked things. We can agree on that, but wait, wait a second. What about some of those other things that gaining wisdom, that's not sinful. Or, or, or building houses, that's not sinful. Planting trees, that's not sinful. So, so is it really sinful to seek purpose and some of these other things. Well, here's the thing. What we have here is a matter of ultimates. It's a matter of ultimates. It's a matter of this question. What is your ultimate desire? What is your, your deepest love? What is the thing that you live your life striving after? Because you were created by God and for God and to God. You were created for the purpose of striving after God. That's what it means that you were created to God. Solomon was created to strive after God, but in his meaninglessness, he began to strive after everything else to elevate all of these other things to the place of being the ultimate purpose of his life, the ultimate desire of his heart. But ultimately, all of these other things, they're like a bug zapper. Because they promise purpose, and they promise fulfillment, and, and they promise meaning, and they promise to make some sense of, of life under the sun, but it's not just that they don't fulfill the promise that they've made, it's that their end is death. 
that if we give ourselves entirely to anything other than God, then what it ultimately results in is death. Just like this promises to a bug, a meal or a, a free route or whatever it is, it doesn't just not fulfill that promise, but in the end it zaps them, right? And so Solomon has sought fulfillment and sought purpose in all of these things, and in doing so, he has sinned against the God of the universe. And we do the same. Because we, we all have these things in our life that promise us something. And so what we do is we elevate them to the place of God in our lives. But ultimately, that promise is a lie. So, so what is sin? What is sin? What does it look like? Where does it come from? Three points on this that I want to give you guys this morning. First, sin is driven by our desires. Our sin is driven by our desires. We sin because we want to. We sin because we want the thing that sin is promising. In James chapter one, we see this. It says that each person is tempted when they are led away by their own desires. And then when our desires have conceived, they give birth to sin. In Mark chapter seven, in Mark seven, verse 21, Jesus says it like this. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. See, sinful desire is in every single one of our hearts. We all desire things other than God. And even if those things are are things that are not in and of themselves sinful, when we allow our desire for them to grow greater than our desire to know and to love and to serve God, then we sin. I wanna give you guys a a little example of this. Um, When I was a kid, I, I was, I was kind of weird as a kid because I loved this thing called candy. Have you ever heard of a kid loving a thing called? I love candy. I, I still love candy, uh, except now I have a paycheck and I can buy candy if I want to. Um, but when you're a kid, you love candy and candy like wasn't a regular thing in my house growing up, right? I only, I only really got candy at like a few holidays every year. Um, and one of those holidays, those candy holidays was Christmas, right? And the thing about Christmas is you don't just get candy, but you get Christmas candy. And one of the greatest candies of all time was exclusive to Christmas, and that was a Reese's chocolate tree, okay? Now, Reese's are always good, but the holiday Reese's are just better. I don't know what it is. I think there's more peanut butter. The chocolate's a little bit different. I don't know, something about it. But Reese's chocolate tree was my absolute favorite. And I, I have one sibling. I have a sister. She's two years older than me. She's very much like the oldest, right? She's very organized, straight A's, like all that kind of stuff. And then I was like the younger brother and I was just like crazy the whole time, right? 
And so that, that played out on Christmas morning. We would come out and we'd, we'd get our, our stockings and they'd be full of candy. And, you know, I would just like eat all of my candy on Christmas morning. And my sister would eat like one piece and then she would put the rest and like she had a little, I remember it was a limited two shoebox. It was like pink and black. And you guys don't know what that means, but your counselors do. And, uh, and so there's this shoebox that she would keep her Christmas candy in and she would keep it on her bedside table. All right. And, and we were off school. We had a few weeks off school for Christmas and all of my candy was gone on Christmas morning. And then the next morning I woke up and I walked down the hallway and I saw in my sister's room next to her bed on her bedside table was that limited two shoebox. And I knew that in that shoebox was all of her Christmas candy. And I knew that among that Christmas candy, there was a Reese's chocolate tree. So I have a couple desires competing in my heart at this moment, right? On the one hand, I want to do the right thing. I want to, to obey God, and I, I want to honor God and glorify God in my actions. On the other hand, I want a Reese's chocolate treat. Now, that first, diet, that first day, that first morning, I did the right thing, and I kept walking. But then I woke up the next morning, and I walked by my sister's door, and there was a shoebox next to her bedside table, and I knew that in that was a Reese's chocolate tree. And once again, these desires are at war in my heart. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna serve? Where am I gonna, am I gonna search for meaning and purpose? What, what's going to fulfill me in this moment? And you know what? I continued to obey and to follow and to love and to serve and to honor God. And every morning this happened, and every morning this battle played out, but something was happening in me throughout all of it. See, I was allowing that desire for something that didn't belong to me to grow. I was allowing that desire for that Reese's chocolate tree, right? For the, the saturated fats and sugars and deliciousness of peanut buttery chocolatey goodness, right? I was allowing that desire to grow and to grow. And there's nothing wrong with the desire for peanut buttery chocolatey goodness. But at one point, my desire for that candy grew to the point that it became the ultimate desire of my heart. It became the thing that I wanted more than anything. And I elevated it above God in my heart. Now that sounds ridiculous when you put it in those terms, but that's what happened. Because in that moment, I knew that it would be wrong to go and to take that candy I knew that it would be an affront to God. I knew that it would be sin. I knew that it would be breaking God's law, but I did it anyway. And one morning I looked and I saw and I knew that candy was in there and I went into my sister's room and I took it and I ate it. And it sounds ridiculous because it's a seven-year-old kid stealing a candy from his sister. And what eternal significance is there to any of that? But here's the reality of what was happening in that moment. In that mo moment, I had taken something that wasn't God and I had elevated it in my life and in my heart to the place of God. I al had allowed something else to become my greatest love and my greatest desire and I was living my life in the service of something other than God. Because that's what sin is. So see, in that moment, I wasn't just stealing a candy no, in that moment, I was committing treason against the king of the universe. 
I was worshiping something other than the God that I was made to worship. I was seeking purpose and meaning and fulfillment and hope and joy and happiness in something other than where it was rightly meant to be found in the God who made me. That's what all sin is. It begins with our desires, our desire for something other than God, and as we allow that desire to grow and to grow and to grow, we allow it to eclipse, to become larger than our desire for God, it drives us to sin. And what is it that allows that desire to grow? Why does that desire to grow? It's because that desire is deceitful. The desire tells us lies. My my desire for a Reese's chocolate tree was telling me this is going to make you happy. This is gonna make you feel good. This is more important than following God, which is ridiculous. But when we hear that lie enough, Sometimes we stop recognizing it as a lie. See, scripture talks about this over and over again in places like Hebrews chapter three, where it tells us that we are to exhort one another. That means to to spur one another on, to, to encourage one another, to call one another out. We are to exhort one another every day so that none of us may be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it tells us that the heart is deceitful, that the heart lies, that it's desperately sick. In Proverbs chapter five, another writing of Solomon, and and he, he writes about the forbidden woman. He's talking about adultery specifically, but but in a in a more general sense, I think this applies to all sin. And he says that her lips are are covered with, with honey, that there's this kind of picture of sin as, as sweet and enticing, as something that, that lures us in, that, that calls us in with these lies of fulfillment, with these lies of meaning, with these lies of comfort, with these lies of purpose. But then he says that her feet go down to death. That all of it is a lie. The sin promises fulfillment and purpose and hope. It promises an escape from pain and in a temporary sense, some of that might be true. In a temporary sense, I felt really good eating my Reese's chocolate tree. Might make us feel good for a brief and fleeting moment, but the reality, the ultimate reality is the exact opposite. See, it might promise fulfillment and purpose and hope and an escape from pain, but what it brings is emptiness and purposelessness and despair and punishment, and ultimately, it brings death. Point one is that sin is driven by our desires. Point two is that sin is deeply deceptive. But then finally, because of sin, we are deserving of death. Back there in James Chapter one, it says that we are tempted when we are led away by our own deceitful desires and desires when it is fully formed gives birth to sin and sin says when it has conceived gives birth to death. And so there's this direct line from desiring something other than God, allowing that desire to grow and to grow and to grow and to become greater than our desire for God. And then that causes us to sin and that sin, the ultimate result of it 
is death. It's death. Romans 6, 23 says this, it says that the wages of sin is death. That what we deserve for our sin, what we have earned by our sin is death. So, what do we make of this? Well, if life under the sun is meaningless, if life in this world on its own, if this is all that there is, if that means that this is meaningless and we're searching for meaning, every one of us is gonna be tempted to find it somewhere. The question is, where are you going to find meaning? Are you going to find it in the only place that it can rightly and truly and ultimately be found or are you going to search for it elsewhere? You guys are all tempted to find meaning and to find purpose in something, something other than God. Maybe, maybe you're tempted to find that in relationships. Maybe you're tempted to find it in athletics. Maybe you're tempted to find it in academics. Maybe, maybe you are, are a really great student a really, really great student, and you love being a great student. You love getting the, the straight A's. You, you love being the, um, on the honor roll or valedictorian or whatever. You, you love the, the idea that everyone thinks that you're smart, right? You love all of that, and that's something that you want to seek. And here's the thing. Is it a bad thing to try to get good grades? No. No, of course not. But when you allow that desire to become your greatest desire, then what happens inevitably, you will begin to serve that over everything else. And when the, the day comes and you have a test that you don't know the answer on, what are you gonna do? You're, you're gonna cheat. You're gonna do whatever you can to get the grade because the grade has become the most important thing to you. And so what you're doing is you're seeking purpose, you're seeking meaning, you're seeking hope, you're seeking joy, you're seeking fulfillment in your academics instead of where you're supposed to find it in God. And so you've taken that thing, that good grade, and you've elevated it to the place in your heart where only God belongs and you sin. Could be true of your, your athletics as well. Could be true of your relationships. Right? So many of us are tempted to, to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment and value in our relationships, either a friendship or even a romantic relationship. And so we, we elevate that thing to the most important things in our lives and we seek purpose and fulfillment there and we sin. That's what sin is ultimately, it is idolatry. It is worshiping something other than God in the place of God seeking purpose and fulfillment and hope in that thing. But ultimately, none of those things are going to deliver on the promises they've made because the only thing that sin delivers us is death. From 623, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is punishment. So no matter what it is, if we've elevated it to the place of God in our lives, then what we deserve for that sin is we deserve punishment because we were made by God and for God and to God. 
He is the king over the universe, the ruler, the creator of all things. And because he is the creator, because he is the king, worshiping anything else, valuing anything else greater than him, elevating anything else in our hearts and our lives above him is taking him off of the throne in our hearts where he and he alone belongs and putting anything else there. And that is not simply taking a Reese's chocolate tree from your sister. That is treason against the king of the universe. Every single time we disobey the law of God, every time we elevate something to the place where only God belongs, we commit cosmic treason against the king of heaven and earth. That's why sin is serious. That's why it's a big deal. That's why there's no such thing as a lesser sin or a minor sin. That's why it's not your sin versus my sin. But the Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because no matter what our sin is and no matter how big or small it seems on a human level, on an earthly level, ultimately all sin is when we take something that isn't God and we worship it as God And because of that, we are deserving of the wrath of God. And we do it because we're searching for purpose. We're searching for meaning. We're searching for something to make the pain go away. We're searching for something to entertain us, to distract us. We're searching for something that will fulfill us in this life that just seems like it's all vanity. But all of those other things that promise us meaning and purpose and fulfillment and hope, their promises are a lie. Because the only place that that can rightly, truly, ultimately be found is in the God who made us by him and for him and to him. First John chapter two, verse 15, it says this. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here's what I wanna leave you guys with this morning. What do you love? What do you love? Now you could probably make a long list of all the different things that you love, but when I say what do you love, what I mean is what is your ultimate love? What is your greatest love? Is it the things of this world? Is it the things under the sun? Or is your greatest love, your deepest desire, is it for the God that made you? Because we all have something in our lives that is competing for that top spot. Every one of us, we have something 
that we are tempted to put on the throne of our hearts where only God belongs. And so this morning, today, I want you to ask that question. What is it that I love the most? What sits on the throne of my life? Is it God or is it something, anything else? You see, when Solomon was searching for purpose, he was trying out all kinds of different things on the throne of his life, seeking fulfillment and purpose and joy and hope and happiness in all kinds of different things, and his verdict was that it was all empty. But what is it that you're tempted to put on that throne? What is your greatest desire? What is your deepest love? What is the thing that you are living your life in the service of? You were made for a purpose. Are you finding it in God? Or are you finding it somewhere else? Because if you're finding it somewhere else, the ultimate end of that is that that promise of false purpose is going to bring death, wrath, judgment. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Tonight we're going to talk more about what it means to do the will of God and to abide forever. But this morning, today, I want you to ask that question. What's your greatest desire? What's your deepest love? What's the thing that you're living your life in service of? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would teach us to examine our hearts, that you would teach us to just ask the question of what is sitting on the throne of our lives. God, if it's not you, I pray that you would reveal that to us. If we have something or someone else that we love and that we worship as ultimate as the greatest thing in our lives, as the purpose of our lives, that there's somewhere else that we're tempted to find meaning or fulfillment, God, I, I pray that you would reveal that to us and that we would repent of that sin. God, that we would turn from that sin and turn towards you. God, I, I know that sin is in every human heart, that we, we all have things that we desire that we search for purpose in. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to see that the purpose that they promise is a lie. That the comfort, the, the happiness that they give is fleeting. But the true purpose, the true joy, the true hope, the true happiness, the true meaning can only be found in knowing and loving and serving you. Love you in Jesus' name, amen.